Hello SFIA audio listeners, in this month's Nebula exclusive, Giant Space Monsters, we'll take a look at what sorts of alien behemoths might be possible under known science. To hear it and every episode early and ad-free, plus hours of bonus content, check out go.nebula.tv slash IsaacArthur and use my code IsaacArthur. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. We live in an era where technology improves constantly and every day brings new marvels, but what if we reached a wall beyond which technology could no longer improve? Not a day goes by where we don't see new improvements in our knowledge and technology, and while we often feel that civilization might collapse and remove our technology, as we looked at in post-apocalyptic civilizations or techno-primitivism, we rarely contemplate the notion that progress would simply stop. In some ways, the idea of technological progress grinding to a halt is even more unthinkable than it falling backwards. We can believe humans might mess up and wreck society, but we're very predisposed by our culture to think knowledge is a thing which is infinite, and that there is always a new stone to turn over. Yet this not only may not be true, but realistically almost certainly can't be, at least where science and technology are concerned. The Universe has rules it follows, which are presumably finite and we should eventually discover them all, or discover all those that aren't physically impossible to infer, at which point technology would continue to improve for a time, quite probably many generations at least, but would have to plateau out. Perhaps not, perhaps the rules of the Universe are infinite or shifting in time, Perhaps there are an infinite number of other places and realities or layers which we may hurl our curiosity toward eternally, things that seem beyond our understanding now. Additionally, a civilization need not hit such a scientific brick wall to technologically stagnate either, indeed it might voluntarily choose to halt for the scientific and technological inquiry. Today we'll examine what might cause civilizations to do this and what the implications would be for such societies. Now it is easy to imagine folks turning from technology in part, after all many of us do to some degree, indeed I've noted a tendency for those of us heavily involved in technology to often hide ourselves from it a bit, even if just to decorate our homes with a vintage or antique theme. There is a certain stress to the constant chaos of technological disruption I suspect most viewers here can well appreciate, either from being on the cutting edge or from feeling constantly left behind by that edge. I doubt it's a coincidence that so many of us view getting away from stress as getting away from technology, and go off the grid for vacation and often more than simply muting our phone and not checking our email. Against that, we have to acknowledge that our passion for technology is at least in large part composed of our desire to make life better. We wish to cure the sick, to make life healthier and longer, to take away tasks which are unpleasant or dangerous, to bring prosperity to all. These are admirable motives but not necessarily perpetual ones. What drives us to further innovation when Utopia has already arrived? Now of course Utopia is a relative thing and not a thing we'd really expect to reach, but technological progress is not made by casual labor. Science and technology are almost entirely the product of a small minority of the population that is obsessed. Reasons for that obsession vary but for many it is a drive to make life better. That's also what drives the funding for such improvements and what makes scientists and engineers work together, neither group being terribly well known for its love of teamwork. It also tends to be true that the more you discover, the more effort is needed for each new discovery. 
Long past are the days where the majority of scientific endeavors uncovering new frontiers could be done in a dusty lab or garage by one lone innovator on a shoestring budget, especially in physics, the foundational field for exploring new laws of science, where billion dollar labs must often be commissioned just to make one tiny little step forward. Also long past are the days where a true polymath, an expert on all things, could exist. Now even a great expert is only going to know a small area of their own field. As the saying goes, an expert is someone who knows more and more about less and less, until they know everything about nothing. This will only increase with our knowledge and so too will the effort needed just to get sufficient education to be able to advance that field, even with the help of export systems. In a utopian or post-scarcity civilization where you personally have all you might want, what drives you to devote decades to study? Could technological process simply peter out from that combination of things? Each new step takes more effort, while fewer folks are willing to invest ever more time into learning just the basics when they could sit at home in magnificent health and wealth tended to hand and foot by robots. Now that might seem to imply an inevitable end to technology, but let's add two caveats. First, if we're being honest, what drives most scientists, especially the very best of them, is often an utter fascination with a topic to the point of obsession. While many do passionately believe their work will aid their fellow man, it's not really what keeps them chained to their desks burning the midnight oil. And while I suggested that funding for innovation might dry up when the public sees less need for it, such a drop in need implies a massive level of prosperity. If the average person is phenomenally wealthy, it's a lot easier to get funding for projects, and self-funding might be viable too. Post-scarcity societies might not have a deep need for further technological improvement, but they are pretty much by definition not driven to be tight-fisted and frugal in their efforts either. Second, while we'd expect to see a rise in the amount of knowledge needed to become an expert in something in order to further press the boundaries of that field, we do need to keep in mind that some of those fields are things like neuroscience, cybernetics, and education. If you're vastly better at teaching folks or can outright augment the human mind, you presumably can field a lot more experts as they can learn more and quicker. A civilization where everyone is a genius due to technology probably doesn't have to worry about hitting technological walls as quickly, at least not from losing interest. Of course if there are a finite number of scientific rules and useful technologies, then having more and better scientists mean you'd reach that wall sooner. And that at least is a partial rebuttal to folks who feel post-scarcity civilizations will inevitably end with most people being basically stupid, lazy hedonists wallowing in their own affluence and decadence. The same neurological and psychological super-technology that lets you improve people's intelligence also lets you instill in them an intense focus and sense of motivation. Of course some people might not agree with that characterization about lazy hedonism, and may be right to do so, but I choose that language because it's probably exactly what folks would be saying if things began getting very prosperous and their worried civilization would collapse under its own success. And if most folks feel life is pretty good as is, they might be much more receptive to putting the brakes on further improvements that make life easier. We'd also tend to assume that while the older generation might frown on the younger generation as lazy, then you just have to wait for them to die off. This after all is hardly a new accusation, justified or not. Why back in my day we didn't have smartphones and you had to walk all the way down to the kitchen to answer a phone call. However, this one too might be something technology does away with. One of the technologies we'll likely press harder and harder on in the not-too-distant future is life extension, 
and that could easily end in effective immortality. Many customs and traditions change as the new are born and the old die off, but the equation changed a bit if the old folks just keep getting older while maintaining all their health and vigor, and probably growing in power, wealth, knowledge, and influence. This has its pros and cons. Resisting change and new ideas from extended lifespans might tend to prevent decay into hedonism, but might also act to slow positive changes too. Then we have one more reason to halt technological progress, survival itself. Technology is dangerous, very dangerous, very 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 dangerous. As it improves, since the whole point of the stuff is to allow a person to do far more with far less, you have to worry about people being able to make weapons of mass destruction in their own basement. The major way you get around that is with technologies that essentially let you limit people and spy on them, and some might say that at a certain level of prosperity, they'd prefer to put a halt on further technological progress in order to maintain personal freedom and privacy without needing to worry some lunatic will end the world. How big a mansion do you need, after all, to feel like the risk of dying at the hand of a lone psychopath or living under the watchful eye of Big Brother is not worth it? Now let's restate that rebuttal. The lone lunatic problem assumes not only that such technologies are possible, that would enable them to kill everyone without us being able to stop it, but also that we haven't improved in neurology and psychology, merely the material sciences. An advanced civilization might not have lunatics any more than it has plagues or garbage in the streets, they've figured out how to fix that problem. It's a common theme in science fiction for future technological advancements to often ignore other major changes and impacts to society that might happen, like ignoring what massive energy abundance does to an economy besides allowing fast spaceships. Also overlooking the psychological and neurological changes tends to be rather common. Most settings tend to assume all the same normal human vices and virtues, and the same quantities as nowadays, that we haven't figured out how to detect and treat a lot of the problems that lead to criminal behavior. It's interesting though that many sci-fi settings often display technological stagnation, particularly space opera or anything dealing with very ancient civilizations encountered by humanity as we spread out. Where you do get technological advancements in those, it is often driven by very large settings with many books, episodes, or writers who want to bring something new into the setting. Star Wars is a pretty good example, especially if we take into account the older, no longer canon lore, where we do see some improvements over time but mostly technology isn't much different in the modern era from what we see in the lore of the Knights of the Old Republic era set thousands of years before we ever encounter any folks named Skywalker dwelling on a desert planet. Even Star Trek is pretty guilty of this, having ancient empires that never seem to spread out much and whose technology, while better than what Starfleet has, doesn't really seem to be that much better, for folks thousands of years more advanced. We see the same out of Doctor Who or Babylon 5 or Stargate or a ton of other franchises. Ancient civilizations or glimpses in the future often show more advanced technology, but really not that much more advanced, when we compare it to modern times contrasted against a few centuries back. Writers can be forgiven for not being able to come up with a vast array of new technologies every time they need a new book or episode, but it often gives the impression of technological stagnation. On the non-fiction side of things, eventual technological stagnation is practically a prerequisite of any solution to the Fermi Paradox, the big question of where all the aliens are. 
If technology is a constantly improving thing, where anything is possible, you have to wonder if some civilization a few million years old would have time travel, faster than light travel, and millions of other super technologies, what we call clock tech, technologies so advanced they are indistinguishable from magic. We've discussed in other episodes some of the truly enormous civilizations and structures possible just under known science, ones that would seem to make those civilizations obvious to anyone around them, and the sorts of things possible with most science fiction technologies or clock tech go far beyond that, making any phony paradox solution that doesn't rely on either they are not existing or being passionately opposed to contact with us just not make any sense. This sort of thing is particularly bad under any sort of accelerating model for science and technology such as technological singularities, where progress keeps speeding up as you make more and more progress, such a thing either needs to hit a wall, stagnate, or you basically end up with something that can only usefully be defined as a god. Which is a common notion in sci-fi too, lots of species that ascend to higher planes or similar, but also doesn't make a good Fermi Paradox solution. See our episode of Loof Aliens for further discussion of that. Now science fiction is exactly that, fiction, and is limited by both the author's vision and often a need to make a compelling story, which is tricky if you're living in some actual utopia where everyone is generally smart and enlightened. It tends to make for boring stories if the good guys are totally without physical limits or psychological flaws, the regular populace in the background are similar, and there are no real bad guys to cause problems or conflict and the whole plot is just a spectacular display of teamwork. A highly advanced civilization would probably tend to look more like that than our usual fictional settings, even the fairly utopian ones like Star Trek. So what would technological stagnation actually look like? Well it does of course depend on where that stagnation took place and why it did. We saw a number of reasons it might earlier, and stagnation from hitting a true wall of nothing new to learn is a very different place than one in which you actively stop progress out of fear of ruin at the hand of advanced technologies, and both quite different from one where folks just stop putting much effort into it. Let's consider a cyclic example. As we mentioned in cyclic apocalypses, those who acquire civilizations fall into ruin after they reach a certain point, and hit the reset button entirely. Apocalypses recur over and over because they keep making the same mistake and somehow fail to leave their successors any clue about that mistake. We see that in discussion of a lot of doomsdays that have been suggested down the years as inevitable, and while I often agree about the threat, I tend to think it's strange, or really arrogant, that folks suggesting them as inevitable never seem to think it's possible everyone else will see the same danger they did and take action. I say arrogant because the implicit assumption of that doomsday's inevitability always seems contingent on most other people being stupid blind idiots. Now that could occur with technological stagnation too for the type where they are stopping for fear of a danger. We tend to think a ban on artificial intelligence and related technologies it might spring from might be unenforceable as people would tend to forget the reasons for the ban or dismiss the danger after enough time. It's certainly possible but I've never really seen the justification for assuming civilizations would forget things. We did way back in the past because we had to rely on oral tradition and accuracy of memory, that's why we know virtually nothing about history of any places before they got writing. However, we tend to have much better records after that even in eras where everything had to be manually copied each time to some medium like paper that was very prone to fire or decay. We're a bit fixated on the notion that history gets lost but that's not really been the case in more recent centuries even before computers, especially for major events. 
Digital mediums and computers really alter that equation. There are no non-apocalyptic scenarios for us losing track of major events or concepts anymore. We wouldn't lose film of the moon landing or a chronology of major world events or major scientific and philosophical concepts, barring earth-shattering doomsdays, unless we decided they were not important anymore. Now the obvious rebuttal is that the whole notion is based on us deciding if it wasn't important, but that reason puts the cart before the horse. If we have some events or reasoning that leads us to believe something is incredibly dangerous, we won't forget that unless we decide the reasoning was flawed and it doesn't need preserving. But losing track of the idea or event is contingent on first assuming we don't care anymore. Step 1, bad things happen. Step 2, figure out not to do it again and record why. Step 3, forget why it matters. Step 4, stop recording why it matters so we forget. That doesn't actually work, and waving around as a simple result of long periods of time only makes sense if we're assuming the record decays and gets badly re-recorded. That doesn't really fit into the digital medium and the ways we have for maintaining accurate and backed up materials, we're not going to lose something that important any more than we lose a concept like Newton's laws or arithmetic. You can lose those but not simply as a result of lots of time passing. What is the plausible scenario for a civilization deciding that it doesn't need to keep around a few megabytes of summary material for why artificial intelligence is bad to develop? Such being the case, technological stagnation that results from fear of further development would probably work just fine even over many thousands of years, or at least so long as the reasoning for the bans was actually reasonable. We can make jokes about humanity's reckless nature, especially where curiosity is concerned, But that's all they really are, jokes. By and large people do not engage in overtly suicidal behavior for the sake of curiosity, and will not be driven to push a button on a box that says warning, this box contains explosives, do not push the button. Especially if they can actually inspect it and see that yes, indeed, there are explosives and the button is a trigger. So warning, this technology it developed will almost certainly end civilization, is probably an enforceable ban assuming someone bothered to include the full documentation and reasoning for that conclusion and that the reasoning is actually sound. I'd hardly call this a guarantee but again if the reasoning is very sound, it should be just as compelling tomorrow as today, and still be as compelling a million years from now and if it's that compelling, it's not likely everyone is going to decide at some point it isn't worth copying that warning and double checking each copy is accurate, and maintain plenty of redundant backups to compare against for transcription errors. It takes a special kind of stupid for an advanced civilization to fail to do so, considering how little resources are required to maintain that warning. So this type of technological stagnation at least seems plausible. Civilizations decide a certain level of technology is as much as they can safely have and stop, and they document their reasoning to ensure future generations observe their ban on this specific tech. I have a harder time seeing it happen where folks were simply deciding any more tech was unhealthy. We might indeed see a lot of folks, individually or as groups saying, this is good enough, life is good enough, more technology might make us fall apart. However you pretty much need to be willing and able to exterminate anyone who disagrees to make that stick for the civilization at large, and that's usually rather tricky where advancements to technology are concerned since those with more technology than you will usually have a lot more money and military hardware too. So the threat has to be to your personal survival and in a way that most folks believe. 
It is one thing to say advanced virtual reality is unhealthy, most folks would find that plausible. It's another to say that simply having the technology and anyone using it will end the world and must be militantly suppressed. Absent that, folks might abandon it personally, but wouldn't be likely to demand an eternal ban on it and all associated technologies, let alone all new technology. I don't think a tendency to hedonism that would be the presumed threat of virtual reality would generate the militant response, simply because that would tend to be self-correcting if it was a true threat. Those prone to getting lost in virtual utopias to the point of being utterly detached from society either need a way to support themselves or they'll die, and after it's been going on for a while there'd still be plenty of folks who had never used it who could point to those who had and tell their kids, yes, this is what happens when you abuse this, and the more incidents and more generations of it, the more compelling that warning would be if it was actually valid. Alternatively, if it wasn't hyper-addictive and prone to rendering people into lazy slugs, or if it was but someone found a remedy, then there is no problem and no resulting stagnation. One also has to remember that the whole notion there revolves around wanting to escape to a better life, so would only ever apply to those looking for that, and only to the parts they wanted to escape. An obsessive scientist or inventor probably doesn't lose that urge, since it's an obsession, and obviously not one satisfied by having virtual and fictitious scientific achievements or inventions. We already discussed the case for technology stagnating simply from more effort for each new step and less apparent desire for it. What about if we did just hit a true wall though, no new science? That's a hard one because it's also a very probable one. Again, even though we're all pretty wild to scoff the very notion of discovering everything, there probably really is a finite amount of science governing how this universe works, and knowing of phenomena and why they happen doesn't necessarily mean you can produce awesome new technology from it simply by throwing effort that way. It might be that technologies like compact artificial fusion or fast light travel are genuinely impossible, indeed I for one firmly believe the latter is indeed impossible, along with travel in time or to other dimensions or realities or anything that would violate the second law of thermodynamics. I do tend to think the wall is a long way off and further than we need for a post-scarcity society or reasonably practical interstellar travel and colonization, but we can't rule out that even starting tomorrow not a single new breakthrough would ever be made. I don't believe that any more than any of you do, but that's arguably more a matter of faith than based on sound reasoning. The sun rose yesterday and every day before and we believe that it will every day in the future too, but of course we know neither is true, there was a time when the sun didn't exist and will be a time again in the future when it does not. There was a time when we had no inkling how the universe works and had no technology, there will probably be a time when we do know how the universe works and there's no new technology to discover, and that might be tomorrow or a trillion years from now but I tend to bet it would be in this millennium, either a full brick wall or the one where effective progress slows to a crawl because we're just left with a few minor but stubborn things to work out, and after a few generations of little to no new progress folks just stop investing the time to become experts on the matter. Indeed, even those with effective immortality who already had the expertise probably can only pound away on a problem so long without making some progress before deciding to call it quits. Such being the case, what would that civilization look like? Well of course it would depend a lot on where the tech freeze happened, 
but if it's after we have enough tech to keep our civilization running robustly and sustainably, especially if that also meant we could do so on other planets too, and around alien suns, probably not too bad. It might be rather depressing for some, initially anyway, to cope with an end to new science and technology, but there'd still be other frontiers to explore, and the sum of human knowledge is not just science and technology. There's often a worry that technological stagnation could only ever be temporary because we collapse after a few generations from the despair of realizing there were no new scientific frontiers to conquer, that the stagnation would end by falling backwards and entering the eternal cycles of learning all there was to know, then losing it and relearning it. However, while it's very integral to modern civilization, most of human history was not a time where folks really thought much on new tech, nor despaired of running out of new things to learn or invent. So some of the more terrifying scenarios for civilization collapsing under despair seem implausible. Society arguably would collapse, since it's a very different civilization than what we have now, where our civilization is so entwined with technological progress, but probably only in the slow cultural change type of collapse which is always ongoing. Those ancient civilizations often were fairly stagnant in technology, but they were never stagnant in culture, which is always shifting. So it's a good thing to remember that even if one day our technology stagnates, it doesn't mean we have stagnated. We mentioned today that technological stagnation might come from either security fears or alternatively privacy concerns that arose either from new technology or from the monitoring needed to protect folks from such technologies. Of course we already have a lot of privacy and security concerns and that's only amplified at the moment as so many folks are adjusting to doing a lot more online work and shopping. When you're working remotely, be it from home or a public Wi-Fi space, you have some extra data vulnerabilities and it's very handy to add an extra layer of protection in by using a virtual private network, or VPN, and that's where ExpressVPN can help. You're often transmitting everything you do unencrypted, or where whoever controls that public Wi-Fi can access it. So it's important to use something that creates a secure tunnel for your device and information. It's like putting your data in an envelope, like a letter, so those handling it can't see inside, only they just can't rip it open and see the content. ExpressVPN offers you that option, as well as letting you change your location so you can watch those pesky videos that sometimes aren't visible from your country of origin or other geographic limitations, and avoids letting your ISP see what you're doing and sell your data to ad companies. It's an extra layer of privacy and security and one I personally take advantage of all the time, and ExpressVPN offers the fastest speeds by using only premium servers, and is very easy to use but has a 24-7 live chat customer support to ensure if you do need a hand you can get it anywhere and anytime. ExpressVPN is the number one rated VPN by TechRadar, CNET, The Verge, and many others, and you can find out how to get 3 months free by clicking the link in the episode description box below expressvpn.com slash Isaac Arthur. 